We're going to dive into this morning's message, um, and this is week number 15. Uh, we have one more week. Pastor Don will be closing it out next weekend at Camp North Point. Uh, it's called The Heart of Christ. And this week we're answering and talking about what seems like a simple question, and that is this, does God love me? Now, you know, um, I want to I be very cautious here for a moment. First service, I was praying before service. I said, Lord, is there anything else you want me to share with people? And he reminded me of a passage in Luke chapter 10. There's two women, two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they go, Jesus comes to their home to meet with them. And Martha gets really, really busy. She's doing all these other things. And she's like, Jesus, can you tell my sister to get busy? She's like, no, 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 Martha, you don't understand. Mary's doing the right thing and coming and just sitting and listening to me, right? Worshiping me, listening to me. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't be like Martha this morning. Some of you are probably already going, oh, I don't need to hear this, you know, whatever. You know, don't go through your mental checklist and think about the soccer practice you have later on or think about, you know, going to Monette's or think about, you know, a million other things. I want you to really focus in and say, okay, Jesus, it's not about Pastor Brad, but I want to listen to what you have to say to me this morning because I believe that Jesus wants to speak to every one of us in this room this morning. So here's the deal. Um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was last weekend, you know, I've been on vacation the last couple weeks, and last weekend I had the privilege of doing a funeral. And I have to tell you, I have to confess something to you. I've told you guys in the past, I really don't like going to the hospital visiting people, and I really don't like doing funerals. It's, it's really hard for me. And over the last two years, the Lord's really convicted me about that. And I realized it's just my own inadequacies, really my own pride you know, because it's not about me. I mean, these are great opportunities to care for people and to minister to people and to be the presence of Christ to people. And so I've kind of learned that. So I have to confess that God's maturing me. You know, amen. Thank you for that. He's maturing me a little bit and helping me grow. And, you know, and see, that's not about you, Brad. It's about the people. And you just get to be my presence to them. So I've kind of grown in that. And last Sunday, or last Saturday, I think it was, there was a funeral that we had here at North and it was a privilege for me to go to, to be able to be a part of this funeral. And it was a funeral for a 16-month-old. And so, um, it's a, you know, his grandmother and his aunt go to our church. They're part of our congregation. And a 16-month-old. And um, this, little, this little boy, Jamari Ezekiel, Ezekiel is his middle name. He, um, you know, he was born and had just lots of medical complications, and this little boy in his 16 months had like 10 surgeries over the period of 16 months. So that's a really, really hard situation to step in, right? But as I was in there at that moment last, I think it was last Saturday, I was just praying during the time. And I was sitting up front here and there's his family and friends were here. And, and I'm praying, I'm like, God, you know, um, I always, when I do a funeral, I always have about 10 main verses that are kind of my go-to that I feel like God speaks to me and speaks to other people. So I always have this pool of verses. I don't know. I don't always share the exact same verses, but sometimes I'll share all ten. Sometimes I won't. Whatever. Just however God leads me in that moment. But I knew I had these verses that I could share from him. I'm sitting up front, and, I'm, and they said, hey, we're going to show a video beforehand. And the video was eight minutes long. And I'm watching this video, and I'm praying at the same time, you know. And I'm saying, Lord, is there something else you want to speak to me and through me to this, to this family? And I felt very distinctly that God spoke to me that moment. And he said, I have four words I want you to tell the family this morning. And they weren't words necessarily from these passages. 
And I was like listening to the Lord, and I felt like the Lord dropped four words in my heart. And the four words were this, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I felt like the Lord was speaking that to Jamari's family on that morning. Don't ever give up. You, as I watched this video, you know, uh, I could see the joy of the Lord on this little boy's life. I mean, 10 surgeries in 16 months. You know, but you could just see, you know, ever, you ever be around, around kids, you just kind of see their countenance, right? You can see kind of just their countenance. And this little boy, 10 surgeries, yet yeah, this little boy was so joyful. It was just overwhelming to me. And this little boy had a heart of a champion. He was a fighter. And he never, ever gave up. He didn't give up. And I felt like God was speaking through me to his family. If Jamari Ezekiel never gave up, how could you possibly ever give up? You know, little kids like that, 16 months, you don't fake it. Like, you know, either you're happy or you're sad. There's just no in between. I mean, you know when they're happy, you know. And you could just see, you could just see the joy of the Lord on this little boy's life through these videos and through these pictures. It felt like God was saying, don't ever give up to this family. You know, I think that at times in our life, we have moments and seasons when we want to give up. We want to say, God, do you really love me? I mean, do you really love me, God? I'm sure Jamari's family could have had those questions. I didn't ask them specifically. But if I were in their shoes, I'd be thinking, God, do you really love me? I mean, I have a 16-month-old, God, really? Is this what's going to happen, God? You know, they wouldn't be the first persons, his mom and his dad. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're not the first person to ask that question. All throughout the Bible, God's word to us, God speaks to us, and he tells us about people who ask that same question. God, do you really love me? I mean, like, really, God? There's an Old Testament book, so this is before the life of Jesus physically here on earth. The book's called Malachi, and it's not going to be on the screen, but Malachi chapter 1. God's speaking to his people, and he says the following words. Malachi chapter 1, and he says this. I have always loved you. I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you. But you, God's people, but you respond, really? How have you loved me, God? God says, I have always loved you. And the people respond and they say, really? Well, how, God, have you loved me? And he says, well, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. In the New Testament, I think God would answer us in a way that is a little bit more contextualized to our culture and to who we are. First John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, we see the following words. God showed how much he loved us. God shows how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world. So that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
God says, oh, I, I love you. I've always loved you. I sent my son as a sacrifice for your sins so you might have life now and life eternally. I've always loved you. I think that the book of Malachi, the people are like, really, God? You love us? You know, if you read the book of Malachi, I mean, their lives were a disaster. Their marriages were a total train wreck. When they would go to church, when they would go to worship, they would go and they, would ju- they were just going through the motions. Like they were apathetic. They would go and they would sit in service. They wouldn't feel anything. They wouldn't recognize God's presence. Politically, it was a, it was a disaster in their country. I mean, it was just, it was, a, it was a train wreck. So they're saying, God, really, you love us? He said, well, I've chosen you. God says in the New Testament, well, I've sent my son to prove to you my love for you. All throughout the Bible, people question, God, do you really love me? Our passage this morning, actually there's a quote from our book, Gentle and Lowly. I think it's the first First, uh, highlight, or first slide there. It says this. And this kind of struck me this week. It says, The heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers does not flash with tenderness occasionally or temporarily, sputtering out over time. Gentleness and lowliness of heart is who Jesus Christ is. Steadily, consistently, everlastingly, when all loveliness in us has withered. Oftentimes, we ask that question. And it's not really about God. It's not really about how he loves us. But it says that the heart of Christ is consistently like that towards us, loving and gentle and lowly. It says, when all loveliness in us has withered. That's the times I wonder, like, God, how could you possibly love me? How could you possibly love me? Our passage this morning, I'm only going to read one verse to you, but it's found in in the Gospel of John. John chapter 13, verse 1. In John chapter 13, verse 1, Jesus is with his disciples, and it's the night before he's going to be betrayed, right? And he's gathered with them in this upper room, and they're celebrating Passover. And this is what we read in John 13, verse 1. This is the NIV. It says this, the New International Version. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, it says that Jesus loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. I like how the Amplified, which is more of a paraphrase, it fills in the blanks a little bit. The Amplified puts verse 1 like this. Now before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come and it was time. Jesus wasn't surprised that he was going to the cross, that he was going to be betrayed. And so it was, it was time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. Having greatly loved his own, those who accept and those who receive Jesus Christ. Having greatly loved his own who were in the world, he loved them. And he continuously loves them with his perfect love to the end eternally. There are times it seems like God doesn't love me. 
And Jesus reminds us that he loves us now and he loves us eternally to the very end. On your notes, on the flip side of your, of the, of the whatever, the North Point Weekly, there's a couple of fill-ins, a couple of things that I thought about. It seems like God doesn't love me when. It seems like God doesn't love me when. For me, it seems like God doesn't love me when I screw up. I mean, right? Have you ever felt like that? God, I just question, how could you possibly love me, God? I've screwed my life up, and I've screwed the life up of other people around me. God, how could you possibly love me? That's a natural response. Not necessarily a healthy one, but a natural response, living in a fallen, broken world. So if you're seeing here this morning, think, God, I, I, I don't know. Could you really love me? I've messed up my life and I've messed up the lives of people around me so much. God, do you really love me? I think there's another time that people naturally question whether or not God loves them. Well, God, if you love me, why haven't you answered my million prayer requests that I've made? God, why don't you help me? If you really love me, God, I, like, why don't you help me? God, if you love me, why hasn't my despair broken your heart a million times already? Like my heart has been broken. God, it causes me to question your love. I think there's a third time that I ask when I think about it. And I think about my own insignificance. Like, God, I, I'm really nothing special. Like there's 8 billion people in this world. God, how could you possibly love me? Like I'm so insignificant. I'm so minor, right? I'm just a nameless, faceless person in this world, in this universe. And, you know, you look at these, the, you know, these, how big the universe is. We're getting better, better idea of it, you know, with all these incredible telescopes. It's like, God, I'm just, I'm nothing special, God, how could you love me? I think there's another time that people question. Say, God, well, how could you love me? I mean, my problems are so small. I mean, my job, whatever, my relationship. We've got, you know, war in Ukraine going on, right? We've got people plagues going on. We've got, you know, people dying of persecution. You know, we've got famine going on. God, my problems seem so small in comparison to these big things going on in the world, God, how could you love me? I told you God's people, Malachi chapter 1, their lives were a mess, their marriages were a mess, their finances were a mess, their country was a mess. Sounds like our country. Everything was a mess. I'm like, God, really, you love me? Psalm 22, a guy named David said he had a heart after God, a heart after God's own heart. He walked closely with him. Even King David felt abandoned by God. He said this, and of course Jesus repeats these words. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out day, and yet you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. God, where are you? It's times like this. When we have to turn to God's word and trust in what God's word says. 
you know, one of my favorite speakers, you know, I don't listen to him that often anymore just because I don't, don't, but one of my favorite speakers is a guy named Andy Stanley. And he's just, I think he's just, he's just one of the best communicators, pastors of our generation. And he talks about it and he's like, oh yeah, you know, Jesus loves me, but, you know, we know the old song, right? One of the first songs you learn in church, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Right. And he says, like, oh, you know what? You know, that's not why you need to trust that Jesus loves you because the Bible tells you so. But I don't know about you, but that's when I need to trust that Jesus loves me the most because I don't feel like it and that doesn't seem like it, you know. And, but I trust God's word that says that he does love me to the end. Isn't that amazing in John chapter 13? It says to, about his disciples that he loved them to the end. He loves them eternally. Do you know that Judas was already had it planned in his heart that he was going to betray Jesus? That the next, within just hours, that the disciples would deny Jesus, that the disciples would abandon Jesus. And it says that he loved them to the end. He loves them eternally. And some of you are like, my life is, I'm such a screw up. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I love you eternally. I love you to the end. I love you. And we can trust God's word when it reminds us and tells us that this morning. We can trust God's word even when we experience something like my friends experienced last weekend. Three things. What can we say about Jesus? Of course, we can say that Jesus loves me. Not because I feel like it or I think it, but because God says it. And we find it recorded in his word. What else do we, what can we say about Jesus? That Jesus doesn't love like me. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, it's so needed. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you love me, but you don't love like me. Because guess how I love? I love to a limit. I love with strings attached. I love fill in the blank. But Jesus, no, I love you eternally. I love you endlessly. I love you to the very end. Because I love you if you're not too much of a screw-up. You can be a little bit of a screw-up. But if you're too much of a screw-up, I'm going to write you off my list. If you stab me in the back too many times, I'm done with you. But Jesus doesn't love like me. We do this thing called projection. We, we project onto Jesus how we love other people. You ever notice that? Oh, I think Jesus, you love like me. He says, no, I don't, I don't love like you. Number three, Jesus doesn't just love like me. Jesus doesn't love me like other people love me. Ugh. Because some of us have been loved by others and it's been a really screwed up, dysfunctional, not healthy, not even love the way other people treat us. Yet they've said, oh, I love you. Jesus won't give up on us this morning. We're reminded of that. We think about John 13 and what he says hours before the disciples deny, abandon, betray him. He's like, I won't give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. Not today, not ever. I love you with no strings attached. 
I love Titus chapter 3. The Apostle Paul's writing, he's speaking about the love of Christ. He says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived. We were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in a malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because you're so good, not because of righteousness things we had done, but because of his mercy. I wrote this week that his love for us is not just a feeling towards us, but an act for us. The love of Jesus is not just a feeling toward us, but the love of Jesus is an act for us that's revealed in the cross. It's revealed in the cross. One last quote from our John Orper, or excuse me, from the, the Gentle and Lowly book. It says, in going to the cross, Jesus does not love like us. We love until we're betrayed. Jesus continued to the cross despite betrayal. We love until we're forsaken. Jesus loved through the forsakenness. We love up to a limit, but yet Jesus loves you to the end. Here and now, and he loves us eternally. Three things we can do. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been struggling. I don't know, for a variety of those reasons, maybe there's something I totally, I, that I totally missed this morning. Three things I want to encourage you to do this morning as you prepare to walk away and think about that. Number one, of course, write the word surrender down. Surrender means that I stop building up all these reasons I can think of why God doesn't love me. Instead, I hand over to him my doubts. I confess them to him. I speak my doubts out loud. He already knows about them. You'll be surprised at the relief that you feel when you just talk to him. Secondly, of course, I fill my life with prayer. That's what talking is, prayer and praise. Those are weapons for us. In those moments, those seasons of doubt, discouragement, I pray. And I fill my life with prayer, with prayer and with praise. And those are weapons for me. I wrote on there, versus secrecy and silence. You know, I don't, I don't know where I, many, many years ago, I heard this, it's always stuck with me, that, that Satan's SS troopers, you know, Hitler had these, his famous SS troopers, right, who were the most ones most feared. Satan's SS troopers are secrecy and silence. When we say secret, when we say silent about our struggles and about our sins, it's like, it's like the enemy has a noose, a chain around our neck and just yanks us over here. So instead I fill my life with prayer. Instead I fill my life with praise. David said this, I cried out to him with my mouth. I praised him with my tongue. If I had enjoyed having sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God surely has listened. He has heard my prayer. Give praise to God. He has accepted my prayer. He has not held back his love from me. I think the third thing that we have to do in seasons when we're really doubting God's love is to meet with other Christians, other Christ followers. I can tell you time after time, story after story of people in our own church who had those moments, those crises in their life, whether it was something from them or their extended family members, things that were going on, where they just had that season. I'm actually meant to kind of share about that. 
with Jamari, Ezekiel's extended family. How they met with other Christ followers. Hebrews 10 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. There are moments and seasons in your life when you doubt God's love for you. And the best thing that you can do is to meet with other Christians, to be reminded, to be encouraged about God's love for you. You might be here this morning, you know, like, God, I don't, I don't hear you. God, I feel forsaken. God, I feel abandoned. God, I'm such a screw-up. How could you possibly love me? And we planned this series out way back in January. So I had no idea who was going to be here and so on and so forth. But God knew you were going to be here. And God has this message specifically to speak to your heart this morning, to remind you that Jesus loves you. That he loves you to the very end.